already seen our website at generationspeople.org? You can explore it at any time for more information about the ministry and life of our congregation, past, present, and future. We also have another site just for mobile phone users at generationspeople.mobi for the same purposes. These are great online options to connect with our congregation and ministry. Within our websites and through other sites, we want you to listen to our podcasts. We have provided access to our teaching to everyone, everywhere, at any time, in any place, via your smartphone, tablet, or computer. It is our desire to freely share biblical truths and to see God's Word multiplying, like it did in the early church, as recorded in Acts 6, 7, 12, 24, and 19, 24. So find the multiple opportunities we have for you to be encouraged by finding our podcasts on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. Just enter Generations Church of Granbury in their search windows and subscribe yourself for free downloads. Through our websites and podcasts, we want to equip, inform, and encourage your life 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. We'll see you next time. our desire to be a Christ-centered biblical church, and generally we preach through books of the Bible from time to time. We just completed a series declaring who Jesus is all the way through the Gospel of John. Right now we're in a series of declaring who we are in Christ, who we are in the Scriptures, who we are in the Bible. In our text today, we're learning that we are blessed. This is a continuation of what we taught on last Sunday. This little guy's blessed and he doesn't know it. He doesn't know who he is, Prince George, who recognizes him. So when he's upset, he's upset, just like any other normal child. But the day will come when he will realize who he is. And even though he won't be wearing the crown yet, he'll be under tutors and under authority and being groomed and being disciplined. He will view school differently than the ordinary child because he knows he has a destiny He knows he has a future. He knows he has a position to fill when he reaches adulthood. May the Lord help us to know who we are. Because if we don't, we're just like any unbeliever. Give us a hardship and we'll cash you out if we're mad enough. Because we don't know who we are. When this kid knows who he is, you can step on his shoes Kick him in the shin, he'll say, ouch, but he's not going to freak out like any other kid would. Because he knows he, who he is. May the Lord help us to know who we are. You got the point? All right, I'll leave it alone. I'll never show him again. <laughs> Genesis chapter 12, we're talking about Abram. In learning who we are, we learn from the scriptures that we are the children of Abraham. That Christ was born a Jew, his mother was a descendant of Abraham, and the man that raised him, his stepfather Joseph, was a descendant of Abraham. And through the lineage of Abraham came blessing to the world. And this began with God choosing Abraham to initiate a relationship with the man. And we read it right here at the very beginning of chapter 12 of Genesis. Now the Lord had said to Abram, his name was Abram at the time, get out of your country from your family, and from your father's house 
to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. Notice that second phrase, I will bless you from verse 2. And then the fourth phrase from verse 2. And you shall be a blessing. I will bless you and you shall be a blessing. Verse 3, I will bless those who bless you and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Can we say blessed? In light of this passage and the fact that we are Abraham's descendants by faith, he believed the gospel as God communicated it to him, and he was declared to be righteous. And the same thing happens today. When we believe the gospel that is declared to us, the finished work of Christ, we are declared righteous. And we are blessed, and like Abraham, we're not just blessed, but we're blessed to be a blessing. All right, that's the sermon. (laughs) At the beginning of creation in Genesis chapter 1, God made the first male and female, and he blessed them, verse 28, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Who knows children are a blessing from the Lord? Happy is the man that has his quiver full of them. Be fruitful and multiply. Be blessed. Have children. Be fruitful. Multiplication happens when your kids begin to have kids. Yvette and I had two children. Now we have any day now will be three children from them. So our two become five. Two plus the three is five. My parents were in their early service, and they had four children, and then eight grandchildren, and now they're about to have eight great-grandchildren. The eighth great-grandchildren, when when my grandchild was born, will be their eighth one. So eight plus eight plus four, their four kids have become 20 descendants. So multiplication happens. This is a blessing. Are there any blessed folks in the house? Grandparents, great-grandparents that are here. Some Sundays, on a rare occasion, we'll have four generations here. I think one Sunday we had five wasn't it? Be fruitful and multiply. We are blessed from the beginning of creation. This is a blessing. And what are we to do as blessed people? Fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, and over every creeping thing that moves on the earth. So be blessed and be a blessing. You see that? Be blessed, be fruitful, and multiply. The last phrase in that verse. Fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion. Be a blessing. Were they walking in the fulfillment of that? According to Genesis chapter 3, they allowed a snake, something they had dominion over, to be manifested in the garden, something they were commissioned to tend, to come in and tempt them and tell lies to them. They did not walk in their dominion. Even though they were blessed, they failed to be a blessing. Our text today, God told Abraham in Genesis 12, 2, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And the next few chapters are several visitations between God and this man. And one of them, he changed his name from Abram to Abraham, which made him father of many. 
You fulfill this. He was blessed. I will bless you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. He was blessed to be a blessing. In Deuteronomy 8, verse 18, Israel's looking forward to inhabiting the promised land, and God gives them this promise. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you power to get wealth. He blesses us with the ability to have prosperity. This is a blessing. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you power to get wealth. Maybe you work hard by the sweat of your brow and you raise peanuts. But who gives the soil the properties that it has that can take a dead seed and bring life to it? Who gave you the sanity that you have and the forefathers you have for you to learn to farm peanuts? Take any form of livelihood and look towards the source of that ability to prosper. Maybe you're a leader in the community. That ability comes ultimately if you pursue the one who trained you and the one who trained them and the one who trained them. If you pursue it back to its original source, you're going to wind up with, in the beginning, God. So he's the one that gives us the power to get wealth, to be blessed, to be a blessing. Verse 18 ends with, that he may establish his covenant, which he made with your forefathers. Blessed, power to get wealth, to be a blessing, to establish his covenant. This is more than money. Please don't think this is, we're not about to pass the offering plates. This deals with our life and our ministry. In calling his disciples in Matthew chapter 10 to go out and minister themselves and cast out devils and heal the sick and preach the gospel everywhere, he told them, freely you have received, freely give, Matthew 10.8. Freely you have received, you're blessed, freely give be a blessing. You see in a pattern? In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, the scriptures say, verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulation. Can we say all? God's the God of all comfort, and he comforts us in all our tribulation. God has all comfort, and we have all tribulation. And God's comfort is more than enough comfort when we need in whatever individual tribulation we may go through. So this is a blessing, is it not? Even in hard times, you can be blessed. Why? You're blessed to be a blessing. Look at the rest of verse 4. That we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble. We're blessed with comfort by the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulation. Verse 4, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble. Blessed to be a blessing. There are some people in this room that have gone through some tough stuff, and you've come through the other side, and you've got strong faith in when you face certain giants, certain struggles. Maybe you've had a horrible marriage problem that you've worked it out, and now you've got some authority to minister life to other couples. Whatever the challenges that you face, the Lord comforted you in the midst of that trial, you come through the other side. You now have a testimony. You now have authority. You now have a gift, as it were, to impart life. Don't waste it. He's given you comfort so that you're able to comfort those who are in trouble. Write a book with the comfort with which 
we ourselves are comforted by God. You ever feel shorthanded in helping somebody? Sometimes I do. Somebody comes to me with a problem, man, I just feel overwhelmed by it. But I got some friends that aren't overwhelmed, friends in high places, who knows what it's like to be in low places. And they have comfort with which they're able to comfort others with the comfort with which they've comforted. Am I hammering on it too much? How about how about one more? Second Corinthians nine eight says God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you having all sufficiency in all things. There's that word all again. God is able to make all of His grace abound toward us, so that we result in having sufficiency for everything. That looks like we're blessed, right? God is able to bless us so that we can have an abundance for every good work. Blessed to be a blessing. Having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 10. May he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, that's, that's our being blessed, May he supply and multiply the seed you have sown. That's blessing others. May God, who gives us the ability to bless by blessing us, bless us more so we can bless others. So some people encourage giving to get, and there's truth in that. But I want to caution you against that because that is self-centered giving, and that allows people to be preyed on. You ever see people that prey on people on Christian TV? You know, give me $250 and I'll pray for you that you get a new anointing. How many want a fresh anointing? Is it worth $250? Yes, it is. But it doesn't cost that. And a couple of times I've seen them sell one times 10 for 2500 That's giving to get. I think we give to be a blessing. We bless others with the blessing with which we blessed. And the Lord multiplies our seed so that we can bless more. I bless others so I can be blessed so I can bless others. So I can be blessed so I can bless others. It's a cycle like the rain. Waters go up, rains come down. May the Lord send more down. Amen. And increase the fruits of your righteousness while you are enriched in everything. That's being blessed. For all liberality. That's being a blessing which causes thanksgiving through us to God. This is part of our purpose, not just to be blessed and hoard it to ourselves, but to be a blessing to others because the blessings we receive on this side, we can't take with us to the other side. Here's another one of these pictures. I found another one. The question with this, you want to know what a good caption is for this? Why? Why? Is the funeral home moving? Why is a hearse pulling a U-Haul? Doesn't he know there's grave robbers? Has he been to the pyramids? Man, they've raided those guys' riches. You can't take it with you. We are blessed to be a blessing. And now, in the words of Monty Python, for something completely different. You ready to go to the next level? You got the point. We're blessed to be a blessing. Here we are, blessed to be a blessing, 201. Maybe you took English 101, and it was a breeze, and then came 201. It's like, oh, man, 
Algebra 101 was a struggle, but now 201 is kicking you where it hurts. This is good. It's at this level that the kingdom of God advances. This is where we get involved beyond our pocketbook. This is beyond the tithe. This is beyond the offering. This is our life. The early church was born on the day of Pentecost, and it was recorded in Acts chapter 2 that 3,000 people became believers in one day, and these people were from out of town. In fact, the leaders were from Galilee, and here's a church being born in Jerusalem. And people are from all the nations of the Roman Empire, Jews, but they're from out of town. They don't have jobs in Jerusalem. And the church became a Bible school. People worshiping and following the Lord with all their heart, praying daily in the temple and house to house. And people are in training in tents. And it was an eight-year season where the church lived communally. They were forced to. They didn't just go out and buy a farm and build a commune and say, hey, you all come. No, there was thousands of people. By Acts chapter 4, they grew to 5,000 men. And so they had to feed these folks, right? There's not a Bible school cafeteria or dormitory. And so people pooled their resources and had all things in common. This is being a blessing 201. They sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. Because they are so excited to have received Jesus and the free gift of eternal life and to begin to follow the Messiah. In Acts chapter 4, it continues. It says, No one among this early church, in verse 34, did anyone lack. There was no lack in their midst. For all who were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of the things that were sold. I think Barnabas had property in Cyprus. He went to Cyprus and sold it and shared these resources. And there's a story of Ananias and Sapphira. They got involved in this and lied and wound up going to meet the Lord early. They laid them at the apostles' feet and they distributed to each as anyone had need. Now this was a unique time in the history of the church. God was doing this. Great grace was upon them to do this. Somebody wasn't on the radio selling them blessings. They were doing this to be a blessing. All right? Being blessed to be a blessing 101 is God blesses me so that I can be a blessing. 201 is I become the blessing so that others can be blessed. The object now is no longer me, but it's others. Church in Macedonia function like this. Paul, in his second letter to the Corinthians, chapter 8, said, We make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. Verse 2, that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. They had their own struggles, their own trials, their own needs, and yet they excelled at meeting the needs of others. Verse 3, For I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability, they were freely willing. Imploring us with much urgency that we should receive the gift and the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. They 
were about seeing the kingdom of God advance beyond just operations, but research and development moving forward. Watch this. In the New Testament, there was no church that was more generous than the Macedonian church. In 2 Corinthians 8, 1-5, Paul tells us how their joy overflowed in rich generosity. The encouraging thing for us about this joy was the circumstances it came from. Paul explains that they were in the midst of severe trials and extreme poverty, and it was in these times that God gave them this overflowing joy that resulted in generosity. Trials and suffering couldn't shake these believers because they didn't care about stuff. Their secret was not what belonged to them, but who they belonged to. And every one of us will also face trials and sufferings at some point in our lives. And just like the Macedonians, we must decide who or what we will trust in when they do arise. So let's look at three truths that the Macedonian believers teach us that will help us obtain the same joy and generosity they had in their extreme poverty. First, nothing can shake the joy of the generous. Paul's description of the Macedonian state of affairs should not be taken lightly. Severe tests of affliction and extreme poverty. These circumstances were more than minor setbacks. Yet God gave them the joy to not only make it through, but to give generously in the process. Secondly, generosity flows from a heart of self-sacrifice, not self-preservation. The motivation of giving is not to give in order to get. Instead, just like the Macedonians, it begins with our surrender to God and flows from His joy as we trust in Him. And finally, biblical giving comes from grace, not the law. Tithe, or 10%, is the biblical starting point for giving. Jesus validated this in Matthew 23, but as the Macedonians showed us, their giving was a direct result of the joy they found in God's grace, not from an obligation to give. These verses model for us the response God is looking for when we look at our financial situation. Paul tells us that the Macedonians gave themselves first to the Lord, and in the same way we should approach our finances by first affirming or reaffirming our commitment to trust God's promises. And secondly, we are told the Macedonians gave. Their generosity was the proof of where their joy really came from. And in the same way, our giving echoes what our hearts are trusting in. It has been proven that generous people are happier than those that are not. There was research done by this group. Psychologists did this research by giving a group of people the same amount of money. Let's say it was $100, and they divided the group in half. Half the group was to spend it on themselves however they wanted. The other half was to give it away to bless others. And after a season, maybe it was a week or two, they brought the, the two groups back together and interviewed them and surveyed them and discovered the group that gave away the $100 was happier because they can see progress that they've done for somebody else because they used it to help someone improve their life. The other group, their money was long gone. They were hungry again, or they had buyer's remorse, or they wanted more. See how it works? Generosity comes in a way that makes us happy. Now, in being a blessing 201, I am not talking about money. I'm talking about our lives. I'm talking about what has God called you to do that is difficulty? It can be extreme. I'm talking about things like my parents 
in their 30s with four small children and a beautiful church they had built, leaving it behind and moving to the jungles of West Africa for four years to establish a church, going beyond the norm. For others, it may be staying right where you are in the middle of hell to be a light for the Lord. Or maybe extreme like what Bob Lanning does every year. He leaves his family. His wife, Jay, is here today. For six months, Jay goes through this too. Her husband's gone. For six months to work in India amongst tobacco farmers to see the kingdom of God advance. That's being the blessing so that others can be blessed. 1 John 3.16 says, By this we know love, because he laid down his life for us. He's blessed us. And we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? Now, we all have different abilities, and some of us may be able to do something for others that no one else can do because they're not able to. Do not compare yourself to others. Some people are not doing what they can because nobody else is doing it. Why should I? Because you can, and the Lord is leading you to. Preaching something like this is scary for a pastor because you can lose members, not because they're mad at me, but because they're fulfilling the call of God on their lives. Amen? This is what keeps the church alive, though. You know, in Israel, there's two lakes. One's big and stinky and smelly and very rich in minerals. And one isn't so big, but it's alive and thriving and reminds you of an ocean. I mean, they have seawalls wherever there's a city around this thing. The Sea of Galilee, every drop of water that flows into that thing flows out. They even pipe water out of Galilee to send it to other places. But the Dead Sea, every drop of water that flows in just stays there. Lord, help us not to hoard our lives and stand before him one day saying, well, I knew I could have done something unusual, but nobody else was doing it. A movie came out in 99. I have yet to see it, but I found out about it. (laughs) Got some big names in it. It's about Father Damien, a Catholic priest in the 1800s, went to Hawaii to be a missionary. And while there, he discovered there was a leper colony in an area, a remote island called Molokai. And he went there to work among the lepers, to be a light for them, to help them build houses, to build a church, to build a community, to build their commerce, to comfort them, that many of them were fatherless, to be a dad to them. Many of them were immoral, to be a light to them for righteousness and help them die with dignity. And after being there for 12 years, one day he spilled some hot soup and it hit his feet and he didn't feel a thing. And he knew he had the disease. Three years later, he died. Here is a snippet about him. Father Damien was born and baptized Joseph de Wooster in Tremolo, a small Belgian town in Flanders, not far from the university town of Leuven, or Louvain as it was once called. He was a sturdy farm boy who knew how to work with his hands, and those talents would serve him well later. Two of his older sisters entered the convent, and one gave her life when she became ill, taking care of the sick during a plague. Like his older brother, Joseph felt called to the priesthood, 
and he entered the congregation of the Sacred Hearts, taking the religious name Damien. When due to illness his older brother was unable to go on a mission to Hawaii, Damien volunteered to take his place. Once there, he was ordained, and for several years Father Damien served in a number of remote parishes on the Hawaiian Islands. And then he convinced his bishop to allow him to be priest and pastor for a newly created leprous colony on the island of Molokai. The colony was a disaster. There was little or no organization, no crops, few homes, no chapels or hospitals, no schools, and no orphanages. After his death, Father Damien was buried in Hawaii, but his remains were later transferred to a crypt at St. Anthony's Church in Leuven, Belgium, the town where he first entered religious life. I googled Molokai, and from what I could see, it's now a tourist destination. People go there and learn about Father Damien. It's now a beautiful place, a place you want to go. And his testimony lives on. What legacy are we leaving behind? A month or two ago, a Bahamian pastor, Dr. Miles Monroe, died in a plane crash. And he is quoted as saying this, The richest place in all the world is the graveyard. For beneath the surface of that soil is untapped potential, never to be mined by anyone. And listening to me is people with untapped potential that can still be mined. Don't let life pass you by and stop short of what God's called you to do. What is it? Could be adopting a child, could be becoming a foster parent, could be building a church, could be operating as a missionary. It could be leaving your comforts behind, but whatever it is, it is death to self. Death to self is becoming a blessing so that others can be blessed. 1 Corinthians 4.10, Paul says, We are fools for Christ's sake, but you are wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are distinguished, but we are dishonored. This man, as far as we know, never got married, never had children, but it took advantage of his singleness by doing things no one else could do, and we have half the New Testament based on his ministry. He was spent so that others could spend. He gave his life so that others could live. So then death worketh in us, verse 12 he says, but life in you. I'm not trying to be blessed. I'm trying to bless so that others can be blessed. You see that? You see a pattern here? This kind of living gets the world's attention. You can buy billboards and commercials and have high-powered media campaigns, but nothing testifies to the reality of the gospel, like a person willing to give his life for the sake of others. Time magazine this year is featuring the Ebola fighters as persons of the year. I know that some of these people are Christians, risking death, some even dying. 
And some that are being healed up are wanting to go back to help fight this plague. This isn't just for the poor folks in West Africa. This is for the earth. Self-centeredness will kill us if some of us don't break out of the mold. Paul said, I endure all things, 2 Timothy 2, verse 10, for the sake of the elect. No longer about me. It's about the people God has chosen me to go after. I endure all things so that they also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. You are blessed to be a blessing. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for what your word teaches us. And I know, Lord, at this level of where we're ending, Lord, it's unique to each of our calling. I pray, Lord, you would strengthen that brother, that you empower that sister to stand right where you have them to be the light that you've called them to be. And I pray, Lord, for that man or that woman that is able to go beyond anything they ever thought possible, to serve the needs of humanity, to see the kingdom of God advance, to see the kingdom of darkness dispelled. Lord, I pray that those people would receive the revelation that they can do it, that they have a green light. Not to run off by themselves, but to be part of a team effort in doing what you've called them to do. I pray, Lord, not one member of this congregation would shrink back from the calling to which you've called them. In Jesus' name, Lord, I pray for that person that's supposed to jump out of the boat and walk on the water. That person that's supposed to run for office. That person that's supposed to start a business. That person that is supposed to... Do something that's going to horrify the relatives. Lord, may they do it for your glory and your glory alone. Amen. Thank you for the honor of bringing the word to you this morning. My prayer is that you would be encouraged. Can we stand? The prayer team, if you guys could come and line up across the front. We want to uh, pray with you and with anyone that would like to receive prayer. So if you're a member of our prayer team, just come on up and line across the front here. We're here to pray the prayer of agreement with you about anything. Amen. If you must go, you're free to go. I'm going to pronounce a blessing, and he's going to put on some soft music. And if you'd like to ask someone near you, hey, can I pray with you about anything? By all means, do that as well. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord God cause His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May He lift up His countenance upon you and give you His peace.